Well, we welcome back to this little adventure uh, one of our friends, and I think those people who listen to his radio program would appreciate it if I say Josh Peterson is a friend of the program, and uh, he, he joins us occasionally to talk a little bit about the radio biz. Josh, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. John, I appreciate you asking me back on the podcast. How are you? Good, thanks. It's 1620 The Zone in Omaha, a very popular and entertaining and informative four hours of radio that Josh and his partner, John Bishop, do together. And I understand maybe we're celebrating about a decade or so together. Does that sound about right? It it does indeed. It's pretty crazy. Uh, we just completed our 10th football season together. I got hired officially as his full-time co-host at the very end of August of 2014. So uh, we are pretty much right at about nine and a half years right now, which is, I mean, it's baffling to me to think about. I'm a 35-year-old guy, so essentially a third of my life I've been working with John Bishop on the radio. It's pretty wild. You know, I was going to say something. If anybody sees this on video, they realize that you're just, you don't have a, you still got baby face here. You cannot be a guy who's been 10 years in the radio, so good for yeah, you. Yeah, I lost a bet recently. I had to shave my beard off, and so it, it's it's growing back very, very slowly. Uh, I we, we do a season-long kind of predictions bit on our Friday shows, and coming down to the Super Bowl, the last place person, John, myself, and our producer, Nick Grimm, uh, the last place was going to have to shave their facial hair. We've never known John to only have a go or to not have a goatee. Nick has a mustache. I've, I've had a beard for, for many, many years now. I finished in last place. It was not very pretty. I had a horrible Super Bowl in all of our picks. And thus the next day I rolled into work, baby faced all over again. And it, it's growing back much too slowly for my liking. Well, I'm sorry. I'll have a moment here. <laughs> Let's have a moment of silence. There's Thank nothing you. worse than dead air, even in podcasts. But in podcasts, it's better than actually over the air. So We'll just have a moment here. Okay, I'm over it. I'm over it. <laughs> hey, um, things seem to be going going pretty well. Um, um, you people are listening to you. The ratings are good. Um, the audience responds. Um, is this exactly what you thought nine and a half years ago that you were getting yourself into? Oh man, that's a great question. I haven't ever thought about it that way. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, certainly the 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 way things change, you never really know exactly where the business is going to go, right? And you always hope to to kind of be on the forefront of things. And I think our show has done a pretty good job at at doing that. Um, the thing that I I always tell people when they ask me, you know, what what do you hope to accomplish on a daily basis? I just want to make people laugh. I hope that they listen to our show. I hope that they feel like we know what we're talking about to some degree, but I hope that they laugh. That is, that is, that is paramount to me. We are an entertainment show first, I think. Uh, and we're just entertaining in the fact that we also talk about sports. So I, it's been, it's been an incredible ride. I I feel very lucky. Uh, I get to go home and watch basketball games or football games or whatever, and then talk about it on the radio. I always tell people the way that I do my job in terms of morning preparation is if I had a normal job, what I would do to kill time. I read, I read a lot of local articles. I read a lot of local columnists. That is how I operate on a day-to-day -day basis. Whereas if I worked in a traditional nine to five, I would be doing that to sneak away from my job for a few minutes at a time. So it's a, it's a pretty fun life. You know, so many people sort of chuckle like, oh, I've heard that line before. When you say, I'm just happy that I didn't really have to work for the last 45 years. And, and, and I truly believe that because it is stuff that people would do on their own if they didn't have to be an accountant or a or a lawyer or a school teacher or something. Um, but your job is to make their lives a little bit better, a little bit more interesting, I think. 
And, um, and so, yeah, I think it's a good attitude. You, you, you sort of feel lucky now. Don't, don't misunderstand this dear listener. This is work. It, it, this is work. You have to work at it. It's a job, but, uh, because you have to be prepared, but it doesn't always feel like. Yeah, for sure. Cause again, I mean, the, the conversations that I have on the air with John are conversations that I still have with friends. You know, it's, it's not like I go home and don't talk about stuff. Maybe I talk about sports a little bit, you know, less away from the job or in the case of me as a college student away from school as I, as I did back then, just because again, I do do it every day for, for four hours. And I feel like sometimes I need a break. Um, but I, I still, I, there's a group text and we're talking during basketball games and we're talking during football games. I talk to my dad about the Dallas Cowboys. We, we commiserate over the Cowboys, the end of their seasons, every January, certainly these days. Uh, and I talk about that with him. So, uh, it is, it is a part of, I mean, it really is a part of the fabric of, of how I operate on it on a day-to-day basis, um, you know, which is cool because it's what you grow up hoping to do. And here I am doing it, you know, a hand, a, a decade after I graduated from college. This happened to me a lot uh, when I worked in, in radio and, and television full-time and you'd be at a, at a, at a gathering with um, your kids, um, parents, uh, like schoolmates, parents, or at the little league, uh, we didn't play little pony league baseball, or you're at a family gathering and you just want to talk about what's going on in the world. And they say, tell me about the God, that right tackle of the 49ers got injured. Can you talk about at, at some point you just want to say, I don't want to do that any longer, but you do it anyway. Right. Yep. hundred percent. And I think, you know, you and I were in agreement on the uh, Scott Frost era, certainly by the end of that and how things were going. And, and I would say we were proven right on that. Um, but I, I would go to family gatherings, John and, and uh, I, I was a bit of an outlier amongst my family, yeah. certainly some of the older family members that I have. And it got to a point where it was like, are we having a conversation? Or are we just going to debate now for a couple hours about if Scott Frost is going to turn it around? And I, I genuinely did not enjoy that. I got to a point where I had to tell some family members, like, I don't, I just don't want to talk about it anymore if this is kind of the the way in which it's going to go. So it can be, it can be annoying i guess in some ways but also i don't want to be that person that says hey i do this for my job can we please not talk about it thankfully i'm always my brain's always thinking about husker football certainly and so you know at any holiday function the husker football team is going to come up and i'm going to get asked hey have you heard anything inside info can you tell us any inside info and i'm always happy to to do those types of discussions well first and foremost the first thing you don't want anybody to think when you're on the radio is that you're an ass right Yep. I mean, that's it. That's as simple as that. You, 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 you don't, you want to be respected and you want to, to be understood as somebody who knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. But the first thing you don't want somebody to think of is, Oh, that Peterson guy on the radio is such a jerk. Yeah. You know? That's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's one thing if they think that about me on the air, cause I, I would say that there are definitely people out there who think that about me on the air, but I, I would certainly would be disappointed if I had met a listener in person or listeners in person. And they were like, I really didn't like talking to him away from his show. You know, that would be really disappointing. I'm not, I'm certainly not someone who, you know, is recognized on a daily basis or even a weekly basis. I probably see, you know, people out in person, maybe once every couple of months where they're like, Hey, are you, are you Josh? And I am. Uh, and so I like, I like having those conversations. I still, again, a decade into the, into being on the air, I don't ever take that stuff for granted. Um, that someone would be willing to a listen to my show as much as they do, I think is super cool. And to come up to me in person and, and want to tell me, Hey, I listen to your show. I like your show. I certainly will never reach a level of jadedness with anything like that.
So Josh Peterson of 1620, the zone, uh, nine and a half years with uh, John Bishop. What is the secret to um, spending four hours with the same person, uh, not 52 weeks a year, but certainly a, a good number of those 52 together and making it work in that, that chemistry? What's the secret? Man, I, I wish that I could give you an answer, you know, to like really lock it down. I, I think a lot of it is going to start at a baseline of you have to enjoy being in each other's company. And, you know, for all of the arguments that John and I get into, you know, I can't, I can't speak for him. I hope that he would feel the same way. I genuinely enjoy spending, you know, time with him. There are days where I'm happy to get home. There are days, you know, where I'm happy to, you know, like a, a vacation day or whatever. It's like, sweet, I don't have to see him today. Or, you know, occasionally one of us will be gone because of traveling or play-by-play -play duties, mainly from John's end. And so, like, we'll have a fill-in. And, and I always find that can be fun. It's kind of like having a, a fun uncle when you're a kid, right? Where it's like, nice, I get to hang out with someone other than my parents. Um, but I always am very appreciative when John returns. Uh, we have, I feel like we have always had very good chemistry together. And I think a part of it is that we, I think we, we have similar sensibilities and the amount of time that we put into the show, the amount of time we think about the show. I feel like I'm always thinking about it for, you know, in one way or the other. And I know he is the same. We, we pivoted a lot to not pivoted, but we have incorporated video a whole lot really since the pandemic. And, and certainly in the last two plus years with daily four hour for our show, 12 hours for the station on YouTube and, and beyond. And there, the, the, the program we use, it's called StreamYard. And anytime we set up a stream for the show, it has a timestamp on it. And there will be mornings where I will open it up to upload some video that I would like to play on the show. And I can see that not only do we already have one, but John made it at 1.30 in the morning because he was traveling from a basketball game or he was wired the day that we're recording this Creighton is coming off of their first win ever wow. over a number one ranked team. And you know what? I'm going to open up Streamyard right now. I'm going to see what time he made the, the stream from last. Oh, surprisingly he didn't make one last night. So I guess, so, yeah, I'm he, a little surprised. He just got off he, the floor. I mean, they just, he just got <laughs> out of the arena. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think that we both put a lot of effort into the show. Um, we, you know, it's so funny now as I have gotten older at, at, at the beginning, it was the, Gen X and millennial. We still are the Gen X and the millennial, but I am now creeping closer to the age that John was when I first met him. When I first met John, he was about to turn 40. Uh, I will turn 36 later this year, which is very, very strange to think that I am now getting very close to the age that he was when we first met. So I think we have a lot of the same sensibilities. We also don't take each other too seriously or, or take ourselves too seriously, which I think is vital. Uh, I don't think that either of us are going to take a whole lot of stuff personally that the other says. And I think that that is, that's fine. I mean, we're like a married couple at this point, right? You, yeah. I know his arguments. I know what he's going to say. I know his strengths and weaknesses. I know the things that annoys me. He knows the things that, that annoy him. And I think that it kind of helps us work really well together. And what, what makes a long lasting marriage in this business too, is that you come at this from different perspectives you have different views the worst thing you can hear and we've talked about this you the worst thing you can hear uh regularly on radio as a partner is oh i agree with that josh oh yeah that's exactly how i feel about it too you really have to have that and it can't be this silly stephen a smith and contrived yelling at each other stuff that yeah. those guys do on television it has to be earnest and honest, but you don't want two guys sitting down for four hours who see the world exactly the same way. It just doesn't work, does it? hundred percent. And and so it, what's unique, I think, is finding ways that when you do agree to still have discussion, you know, like, for example, in one of our recent shows, 
Uh, we both had a very similar viewpoint on something that Matt Rule had said, but I was a little more fired up about it. And so I think that he poked the bear a little bit, egged me on a little bit. And uh, and I think that that allowed it to, to be a show where we have the exact same opinion. Okay, now how do we make this unique? And it's not like we sat there and, and prepped it out and said, okay, we agree on this. How can we make this discussion different? It just kind of happens pretty naturally um, with us. And I think that that is, you know, that's going to be a big part in it too, is just understanding that. But I mean, a part of this too, I think is a lot of luck. Like, you know, you, you, I, I've seen a lot of people come and go in this business, people I've worked with, uh, shows, two man shows. And it just, for whatever reason, sometimes stuff just doesn't translate very well to on the air. And I think that our relationship thankfully has translated very well on the air. You mentioned Matt Rule, so thank you for the segue. You're a very professional young man at this, even at your your advancing age of nearly 36, mm -hmm. um, younger than both of my children. Congratulations. Um, we, we've talked about Scott Frost almost ad nauseum. People who never listen to us have conversations, are tired of it, but it is history, and, and you know, we got it right. Okay, whoopee. What's the... What's the groove with Rule at this point? They won five games last year. What is the groove on the radio of Matt Rule coming into his second spring football and then into his second season? Well, I think certainly the Dylan Riola uh, recruitment and signing has kind of kicked things into a bit higher of a gear, and I, I think in a good way. I, I've I've enjoyed the discussion surrounding that. Um, you know, John, looking back to last year, there was something that I noticed at, at one point in time where I felt everybody was kind of coming up for air after the Scott Frost era. And that's how I described it, where people really weren't debating a whole lot, that it seemed like no one really wanted to to maybe point out things they didn't like or disliked about Matt Rule and, and maybe voice their concerns. Now, I think that that changed after the 0-2 start. But I sense in the offseason that after years of people butting heads, and and the arguments about frost that people just were tired and they just didn't want to do it anymore and so i think that now we have settled into the kind of you know they weren't as good but they they did play well on defense can the offense improve now it's it's kind of the typical questions it it has not reached the big picture referendum stage though you know a, a goofy loss in the first month of, the, of september and i'm guessing that suddenly we will we will re uh reintroduce those types of questions but I think it's right now it's in a fairly healthy place spring ball is later this year than normal uh we're still about a month away from the start of that which uh and then I mean you throw in Nebraska men's basketball having a good season Creighton men's basketball having a good season certainly the storylines that surround the women's basketball uh programs whether it's locally or Caitlin Clark and I would say that at this point we have talked a little less Husker football than normal uh on on you know on late on a late February date uh, for better and for worse, some would say for worse, obviously some <laughs> listeners would say, what are you doing? Please give me more. But I think that it's just, I think it's kind of calm. I think the waters are a bit calm at this point in time before things maybe ramp up a little bit more. One final rule question, uh, because there isn't enough history to go too deep, but, um, clearly from my limited view is that rule runs his operation so much more professionally. He's so much more professional with the media. Uh, with mm -hmm. the fans, with uh, the community, and that is striking to me. Uh, whether that turns into nine or ten wins regularly is what everybody hopes. But there is a there is a feeling that this has become much better looking. It's a much better view in in my view. Uh, how do you see that? 
Couldn't agree with you more. You know, I, I am someone that, you know, just given my my job and when I'm on the air, I, I don't have a relationship with him, but I know people who do have relationships, whether it's, you know, the media, typical media relationships or, you know, some people maybe behind the scenes. And, you know, it, it, it does seem to be a what you see is what you get with him where, you know, I mean, you could start asking people, especially towards the end of the Scott Frost era about, hey, what are you hearing behind the scenes? And, and it was, you know, spiraling and there were all these stories coming out. Nothing like that. Um, I think he is a very buttoned up person uh, i really do think that like if if he if it doesn't work it it will not be because of a student that shows up on test day with you know skimming the book it will be someone who has studied and maybe just fails on on the test day i i i i, I am a i'm a fan of a lot of the things that he's done i think the month of november and and the ways in which they lost particularly the maryland and the in the wisconsin games and back-to-back weeks where you know they they have these failings on the last offensive drives in different ways where it almost was like the answer for in the, in the Wisconsin game, it was almost like it was a callback to Maryland of, well, we did it that way. Let's do it the exact opposite way. And both ways ended up failing. Um, but I, I certainly, I think that it's a buttoned up operation. Uh, and I'm very curious to see what, what year two will look like given the schedule does seem to have a nice runway. We've said that before, mm-hmm. but in, in, in uh, September it on paper, it does look very manageable before things really ramp up with the uh, last five games of the season. What I find interesting is this era in, in sports, especially in football, but in college sports, the, the president of the NC2A basically said, we're not going to change the transfer portal rules. Uh, the coaches can get up and leave. Then the players can, can do the same thing. Nick Saban's 72 years old. So he says, I've had enough. I've won championships. I made a lot of money. I'll try something new. Shashevsky uh, got out. Uh, there's others who are getting out because of the the way the game has changed. Matt Rule's not 50 years old yet, so he's a guy who has to be in the game and help change it. What I'm intrigued by is this combination of the old Matt Rule. Um, we're going to build it from the ground floor, and we're going to do it in three or four years. And oh, by the way, we're going to need some guys from the transfer portal to mix in there. My view is, and we've shared this, is that you have to teach players how to how to play together very, very quickly now. You don't have the luxury of two, three years down the road teaching everybody how to play your system. You've got to do it in a few months. Yeah, I couldn't agree view. more. Yeah, yeah there, you know, I heard two criticisms last year before the season started. And one I, I heard and one I, I disagreed with a lot. Well, the first, the, or I'll go to the second one first. That was like, he's a 500 coach. I think that that does a poor job of explaining his his career and his trajectory, especially when you look at what he was able to do in years two, three, and four at Temple and and certainly years two and three at Baylor. The other, the other concern, though, I found a bit valid, mainly because of the era of the sport. And that is, can he win in college football today when – his way of doing things is a long build development, getting these guys in that maybe are track stars, a lot of measurables and turning them into a key contributor by year three or four. I mean, really what we're talking about is kind of the old school Nebraska model that was able to work in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties for a variety of reasons. But one of them was the era in which, Tom Osborne was coaching in. There was not a transfer portal. You couldn't get immediate eligibility elsewhere. Guys weren't moving in mass. Scott Frost, of course, is one of the more famous examples of a transfer in, but he still had to sit out in 1995. Obviously, it's a bit different today. Uh, I would say that the early returns are that his way might be able to succeed because not a whole lot of guys are were in the transfer portal from Nebraska. We'll see what happens post spring, but you know, I, the, the the majority response, John, that I heard from fans and friends after the occasional player would leave was who, who is that guy? I don't even remember his recruitment. So uh, nary a big name. There was not an Ernest Hausman from the previous year 
that hopped in the portal that I think everybody freaked out about. So we'll see if that continues into the post-spring portal and certainly into future years. But I'd say early returns, whatever culture he's building, it seems like players are responding to it. Josh Peterson, along with John Bishop, the host of Unsportsmanlike Conduct, 2 to 6 p.m. Central Time in Omaha, Nebraska at 1620 The Zone. You can hear them on your phone. You can hear them on the radio. You can watch them on their YouTube channel. You can listen back to their program. I don't know. You can you know, probably call them up and you know put your phone up to the radio if you like. I don't know, but there's plenty of ways to hear radio. Uh, I'm John Schrader, and this is Watch the Media. I want to pivot a little bit to sort of some existential stuff about this business, if that's okay with you. That's good. Um, as you see sports talk radio in 2024 and you know, somebody dropped out of the sky and, uh, uh, or just walked in after a, you know, a, a, a decade in Antarctica and you've got to teach them what it is. How would you describe what sports talk radio is in this uh, era? You know, I would use a word that I, I know a lot of people, whether it's folks like me or podcasters in general, or, or even those that create television shows or movies uh, that they don't like, and that's content. Um, but that's what we that's what we do, I think, more than anything. You, you just mentioned the variety of ways in which you can hear and watch us. And, and I mentioned it earlier, you know, we since the pandemic, uh, when John and I were working from home, we started using a program called StreamYard. And that was essentially so we could see each other. And it sounded better going out over the radio rather than doing, you know, not to get too technical, but a double mix minus for our producer at the time and all of these things, ISDNs. And so I was like, this was way easier. Let's just do this. Well, we have incorporated video. At first, it was the occasional interview. It was an interview a day that we liked, a Jack Mitchell, a Kent Walgamont, for example. Well, at the beginning of 2022, we went all of our shows, four hours, 12 hours a day, uh, totally on video. And... It's it was pretty clunky at first in terms of how it looked the presentation. We have a new boss, a new uh, program director, and Mark Onweiler now who has come in. Uh, he's only been at the station since November, late November. Come in with a lot of fresh ideas and a great uh, take on how we've been doing video and how to improve. And I think that we have made massive jumps. But I think that that kind of tells the story of what it is like to be in sports talk radio today. I mean, when when Steve Sippel or Tom Chattel uh, got into their careers you know when they did did they they certainly would not have imagined something called twitter and tweeting and doing video recaps you know when i got into the show i didn't think that i'd be doing a four hour you know video simulcast because i mean what's the joke face for radio i mean certainly now that i don't have my beard i feel like that is a bit more apt today than it was even a, a couple of months ago um but i just think adapting and trying to figure out where things are going next you know i i think that you know being in my mid-30s i i do feel uh, I do still feel young enough where I'm kind of, you know, I'm seeing the trends. I'm seeing things. One of the the changes that I've made uh, in recent years is creating a, a Patreon with Jack Mitchell of KLIN. And we have a subscriber uh, only Patreon that we use another program called Discord, where we have kind of built this community, um, where we do live podcasts for this community. And we have over 100 paying subscribers. Um, part of it was Jack and I wanted to do something together. And part of it was if we're going to do something together, we need we need it to be worth our while. And so that was why we decided on Patreon versus just creating a podcast and doing a podcast. And that has gone, you know, extremely well. And so I'm, I think I I know John is the same way. And a lot of the folks at our station, we're always trying to think about kind of that what's the what's next of it all. And, and I think that we have done a, 
I think we've done a pretty good job, especially in a market like Omaha. You know, we're not a national radio show, but I think that we have incorporated a lot of elements that you see around the country in terms of what they're doing on a day to day basis. Historically, and I think contemporarily to a lot of respects, in a lot of respects, but sports talk radio has been men, 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 all about men, mostly men listening, mostly talking about men stuff. Um, is that still the case or is that maybe uh, changing just a little bit? I mean, certainly football is the bread and butter. Nebraska football, college football, John and I are huge NFL fans. You know, it, I, I I would be lying if I didn't say that that took up the majority of our discussions. Um, you know, after that, obviously, we're going to we're the home of the really of every Creighton sport. But but in particular, we broadcast the men's basketball games. John is the voice of the men's team. I actually call quite a few of the women's games myself, uh, which has been a really fun experience over the last almost decade now as well. Um, but I would say recently. You know, we, I mean, the volleyball program at Nebraska and, and even Creighton, but certainly in Nebraska is, is among the best in the country. Um, we did a show live at the Nebraska Creighton volleyball match in uh, September of 2022 from CHI Health Center. Uh, when it returns there, I would guess later this year, I'm hoping that we are able to do something similar once again. Um, the Caitlin Clark story though is unlike anything that i can remember in my time on the radio you know when i first got into the business yukon was was still yukon right like they were still a power um they're still good obviously but they aren't what they were a decade ago um and and while then we went through the ebbs and flows of the south carolinas of the world certainly baylor and Brittany griner caitlin clark for whatever reason has really taken on kind of a life of her own and to the point where you know we will we will talk about her and we will post videos of our discussions about her and the level of engagement, you know, as we have really dived into the, the YouTube of it all recently. I mean, it shows the metrics are there. And so people, whether they love her or hate her, and certainly I think our audience is more on the latter category. Uh, there's, there's interest at the very least in hearing from these topics. And, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, as a, as a white guy, I never really had to think about representation as a kid. I, I turned on the TV. I saw many, many men that looked like me. And so I never thought about it. It wasn't until I got older and, you know, certainly you had tough conversations that you realize like, oh, that is a, a level of privilege that I had that I never even, privilege is never having to think about your privilege, right? And so one of the things that I have appreciated in many of my conversations with, you know, whether it's an adult woman or, you know, dads and moms of little girls and hearing their stories, Jack Mitchell, again, calling back to him, he'll, he'll tell stories of watching these games with his daughter and how the relationship that he has formed with her over women's basketball or over volleyball, it is, he says it's a bit sexist, but I didn't expect that when I became a father of a daughter. I thought that I'd have that relationship with my son. And so he has, he's loved it because it's something that was totally unexpected for him a decade ago. And now he's kind of like, I don't know why I'm surprised. Like, of course, she's my daughter. Of course, she's going to care about this stuff at the level that I did when I was her age. I have to say it's one of the most exciting and exhilarating things for me as somebody who's been at this for a long, long time is seeing this, 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 this pendulum swinging a bit um, because we, we've been hoping that this pendulum started swinging a, a long time ago when the networks are putting a guy like Jason Benetti, one of their outstanding play-by-play -play announcers in Lincoln for a women's basketball game on Super Bowl Sunday. I think that's a really good case study example. Now, is Caitlin Clark the driver of that? Of course she is, but, 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 the, the, but the driving is also being done by the number of people who are tuning in. They wouldn't do it if they didn't keep getting people tuning in to watch it, which is great. So I think it's been a really exciting thing, especially when I spend so much time with, 
both young men and young women who want to work in this business. And it's really important for the young men to understand that the young women have just as much of an opportunity and have just as much of uh, right is not the right word, the privilege of being in this business as the young men do. And the more we see that, the better it is for both the women and the men who would like to be in this business. I know that's a bit of a commentary, but I think it's no, really no. important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, one of the things that, that uh, again, Jack Mitchell, he filled in for John the uh, the couple days before the, the record was broken, or maybe it was after, but either way, the question that I had was like, what's next? Like, what's the tale on this thing? Because, you know, I think that that the viewership drive that we are seeing, I think it's it's obviously part of it is just the interest in the women's game has exploded. But I, I, a large part is her. You know, the, the NBA viewership was climbing uh, throughout the 80s. Michael Jordan took it to another level. And I think that that would maybe be the comparison with what's happening. Uh, Michael Jordan retired and the, the viewership, you know, for lack of a better word, cratered it at times, especially, you know, in the early aughts. It's not going to happen to that degree, I don't think. But I do wonder what what is next. She is a one of one. We I don't think we've ever seen a superstar like her in the uh, women's game. She's the biggest she's the biggest college basketball star we have right now. Right. Um, and I, I don't know if we've ever been able to say that right where yeah. the, the biggest star is is playing in the in the women's game. And so, you know, what is what is next? I think that. I think, you know, as I've tried to unpack, why has she, why has her popularity exploded? I have a variety of theories. I think she plays a unique style. She reminds me of Steph Curry when he exploded with the Warriors. But I do think that there is something, John, if she was at UConn or she was at South Carolina or she was at Baylor a decade ago, I, I wonder if she'd get kind of lost in the machine of those programs. Her doing it, and maybe this is the Midwestern and me coming out, but her doing it at a Midwestern school in Iowa in the Big Ten, I think that that has also helped her popularity too and the popularity of the game that it is not just, oh, cool, UConn has another really good player. And they do right now. They have Paige Beckers, who I got to see up close in person at midcourt uh, at the beginning of January. I was on the call on the radio. She is easily the best basketball player that I've seen in the women's game calling these games up close now. I've not seen Caitlin Clark in person, sadly. <laughs> uh, but but so even, even her, as good as Paige Beckers is, you know, Caitlin Clark is at a different level right now. Yeah, and it's really fun to watch, and it's exciting, and, and I hope that that momentum will continue. A couple of other things for Josh Peterson of 1620 The Zone in Omaha, co-host with John Bishop of Unsportsmanlike Conduct, whose uh, uh, host many years ago was a guy named Kevin Kugler, who called that game um, on, um, as we record this, it's Wednesday, February 21st. It was a Tuesday night. Creighton beat uh, UConn, beat him pretty handily. Um, pretty much dominated the game, except for a few mm -hmm. here and there. And he and Bill Raftery called the game in Omaha. Sports. Um, it's just sports. As I put my little air quotes in on the video here, it's just sports. So what, what responsibility do you have for what you guys say and what accountability should you have uh, for what you guys say and do for four hours a day in terms of like, I mean, it's, this is, I guess maybe the, I mean, maybe I put the, put the follow-up question before the original question, but this is in some form still journalism. Is it not? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess you're the better person to ask, answer that question. I think that I am right. Like I've always said, I'm not a journalist. I view myself more as someone who, you know, kind of going back to the beginning of the interview, I try to entertain. Um, but I guess to answer the second question that you asked, but but, but let me let me say, okay, let me yeah. clear that up then. But but you still deal in facts. 
You yes. still deal in reality. You still analyze what's actually happening. Yeah. You interpret for the audience. These are all things that journalists do. Mm -hmm. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And so I'm not going to hop on the air, you know, with with an unsubstantiated piece of information, right. you know, like I'm, I don't operate in that way. And so whenever I go on, you know, I, I, I like I've never viewed myself as a reporter, but I have reported things. Um, you know, I, I, I'd like to think that I've uh, quite a few pretty good sources who have helped me out with some things and, and given me some intel. I know that uh, a few years back, I was the first to report um, not that I'm counting these things, uh, but that, that uh, Greg McDermott had re-signed with Creighton. And so I took great pride in that because I'm not a writer. I'm not at the paper. I'm not a traditional journalist, but I was able to completely lock down that piece of information. And so I decided to go with it. Um, I don't always do that. You know, I, I, I learn things and I get things and I'm just like, ah, you know, I don't really want to go through the, the second and third confirmation. So I'll just kind of keep this close to the vest. Right. And, and somebody else can get to it. Um, so I, I, while I do keep score, I guess mentally, I don't really keep score in the traditional Adam Schefter way, but to go, <laughs> to, but to go like onto the to radio component of it, like I love being right. And so like, I hold myself to the standard of being right, whether it's something as goofy as, you know, I picked a Super Bowl a few years ago to go to overtime once, and I don't ever stop reminding people that I was the first one to do that on the radio, but also, you know, things that actually matter, things that are important. And so uh, one of the things that I like about our show is that John and I do not hop on the air and, and we, if I play devil's advocate, I will literally say, Hey, let me play devil's advocate to what you're saying right now to have a discussion, but I don't hop on there. I'm not going to force myself to pick some side of an argument that I don't believe in, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I, I just, I don't like that way of operating. I had a boss a few years ago who I know you've talked to Dave Tepper and, yeah. and for, I was always operating in this way, but he gave some great advice where he's talked to people who they had this persona on the radio and they would make these arguments and they would make these points. And then they'd meet a listener and the listener would be like, you know, I really liked that, that point that you made, or I really dislike. And the, the, the person's like, yeah, I don't really believe it. And it's like, oh, okay. So it's like, this is truly all an act. When, when I'm on the radio, as I've, I've said to many people, I am myself, I just turn myself up to 11. You know, I'm not as bombastic in real life as I am on the air. I'm not, you know, flailing my arms all the time, <laughs> but I, I, I'm, you know, again, entertainment product. We are performing to a degree, but the performance is the way I talk, not so much the opinions that I have. I don't know if that answered your yes, question. Yes, it does. Yeah. Okay, good. But yeah, that's how I yeah. kind of treat things on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think about these things and I, maybe I'm the only one. But um, and I don't watch these as much other than just to watch to see what's going on. But the Stephen A. Smith and Shannon Sharp and the Skip Bayless yelling at each other. I, I And I know Skip Bayless a little bit. He worked in San Francisco. Um, he was a, a sports writer and columnist there, and he did some stuff with us on the radio. He's exactly like that in person. He's goofy. He's weird. He's aloof. He's he's intro. He's just by himself. He's to himself. But I cannot believe that for two and a half, three hours a day, there is so much stuff that you can yell at each other about. All right. So that's the long winded introduction to this question. What does that kind of madness do to the expectations of sports talk radio when you're trying to be maybe a little bit more, I, I, I would say, genuine than that? Yeah, I don't. I, it's a it's a great question. Um, you know, I think I think, again, going back to something Tepper said to me years ago that like you almost need permission or you need to give the audience permission to go in different directions where like he always talked about it from the standpoint of uh, talking off topic things, right? Like and John and I certainly don't sit around talking for four hours. It's like hanging out at a sports bar. 
you're at a sports bar for four hours, I guarantee you that you are not talking about sports for four hours. You're talking about all sorts of stuff. But there has to be this trust that is earned from you to the audience that, hey, don't worry. We might be talking about me not having a beard right now, but I promise, I promise that we're going to get back to what you want to, what you want to do. We're just going to meander for a little bit. And I think that, you know, I think our success on the radio has shown that we have earned that trust to, to some degree. I know some people are just like, come on, can you guys just get to the stuff? And I get that uh, where there are others who say their favorite part of our show now is something we do uh, right. Technically in the previous show and our show called the crossover where we hang out with Connor Happer for 20 to 30 minutes. And sometimes we talk about sports. Most of the time we don't. Um, but I know that there is a large portion of our audience that says that is their favorite part of the show, which is interesting because that's the thing I prepare for the least every day. I have no idea which way we're going to go. Mm. I never, I have all of my segments kind of planned out. I, I have nothing every day in that segment. I have nothing to talk about there. Let's just see what happens. And so, uh, again, I don't know if that answered your question directly, but I, I think that it's important to, to kind of, to have that, you know, give and take, I guess, with the audience. It's one of the things that's still awesome about radio and, and even in the podcasting form, not even in the podcasting audio form, is that you can create a, a better relationship with the audience on radio and audio than you can in many respects on television. 100%. Uh, they feel you. They they know you better. You have four hours. They don't know much about Josh Peterson or John Bishop. That you know, There's some things you keep to yourself, but there's a lot of your life that's just thrown out there. And it has always been the magic and the hallmark of this business. And if you lose that genuineness, then you might as well go do something else. Couldn't agree with you more. You know, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time. And I, I always tell people I listen to them at double speed. Uh, I listen to them when I'm on my run. It's in a way how I get information. I love listening to football uh, podcasts in particular, college football, NFL. And so I use that as a way to give myself information if I'm out for a longer run. Um, but I also listen to entertainment podcasts. Specifically, I love TV shows and, and movie podcasts. And even on those, I'm thinking about one in particular where the two hosts are Eagles fans. I hate the Eagles, um, but I know about their relationship and I know what, what watching the Eagles is like for them, especially this season, because they would talk about it. They record on Mondays. So they would often talk about what happened the day before. And I think that that is the coolest part about radio or podcasting versus the television medium. And like, no offense to my brothers and sisters that are on the local news, but the reason that I decided not to do that was because I hated the idea of working all day long for a three minute newscast, a three minute sportscast, and then find out, hey, it's gonna snow. And so you're actually cut down to 90 seconds. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm so long winded, as you have seen today with my long answers. I love talking. I don't wanna talk for three minutes and then say, see you later. I don't feel like the relationship is there. Um, I don't feel like I can. Oh, and I love opining. I love giving my opinions on things. So uh, I, I think that that is still like with all the changes in the business. And, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to guarantee that AM radio or sports talk radio is going to be, you know, here until the, the planet is engulfed by the sun. But I will say that I think that the tale is a lot longer than people would expect, because, you know, if I'm a fan of a local team and I want to hear reaction to the local team's big win or horrible loss, this is still the place to come more than any other medium. Because I think that we can give the audience, you know, what they want. We can we can react with them. We can have feelings with them, and they can give uh, us some of their opinions too. And I think that that's what makes us different still than anything else that's going on right now. And it's still uh, the most valuable thing is the uh, immediacy of it, 
Um, it's, uh, it happened two minutes ago. Sure. And almost everything in media, we can do that. Now we, if something happened now, I could make a video and, and post it in, in three minutes. Right. So the immediacy of it is one, but the other thing is, is that there's, there's some nimbleness still in radio that you don't have in almost anything else. And you guys have to adapt to it. You've added video. So between the immediacy, the nimbleness and the ability to adapt and innovate the business, is I think the combination of survival, I think. Yeah, 100%. And I think one of the things that I know I have grown to love um, is I like big I like big news things that happen, uh, especially if it means that I get to talk about it. You know, there are some, I think, that do not like, oh my gosh, something big happened that was unexpected today. Now I have to react. I, if you, you, can, you can go back now over the last decade, and I think for every firing and hiring of an AD or a coach, in particular with football, I think the only time that I was not on the air for one of those shows was the day when Brett McMurphy reported that Scott Frost had gotten hired. Otherwise, I've been on every show. When Frost got hired, I was I was in my car. I just got in my car to go to my parents to watch the NFL. I open my phone to plug it in. I see the email from Keith Mann. What do I do? I turn around. I go. I call John. Hey, they just made the news. What are we going to do? How fast can we get going? I live for those days. And I know that not everybody likes that. They, they, the, the, you know, you're, you're kind of jumping without the parachute. Give me those shows. I love those shows. I, I think that I respond incredibly well to those shows. And again, you are right. That, that doesn't exist in, in the other mediums. If I want to get the writer's opinion, oh, I might have to wait the next day or at least a few hours. But if somebody on September 11th, 2022, if they wanted to know, John's thoughts, my thoughts, Happer's thoughts on Scott Frost getting fired. All they had to do was turn on the radio because we were there for him. And here's something that the audience doesn't care or need to know, but this is essential to your survival, is that if you don't pay attention to the news every day, if you don't have sources, if you, if you don't read, if you don't listen, if you don't prep, and you don't stay on top of this every single day, you will not have a future in this business because those are the moments that are the hallmarks that the audience listens to and they know. And if you are ill-prepared and not ambitious, then you won't continue doing this. And so you have to drive yourself every single day to make sure you're as well-informed as possible. Yeah, I, if, if someone listens to the show and says, I disagree with Josh, that's totally fine with me. If someone listens to the show and says, Josh is, is objectively wrong about what he just said because he got a name wrong or a fact wrong, like that's not what I want. And so- yeah, you have, always have to stay on top of things as, as certainly as well as I can because I am talking for four hours without the parachute. We have a seven-second delay, but, I mean, that's only there if I accidentally say the F word. It's not there if I, you know, mix up quarterbacks that are starting or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever accidentally said the F word? One time. Really? It, wasn't, it took me – how many years into the biz was I? Probably five or six. I mean, of all the – it's like you figure that'd be a, you know, year one type situation. And I, I don't know what happened. I, I, I almost – I feel like I blacked out because I immediately – cover my mouth and I was like oh no and so, so did uh, that did the button get hit were you okay thankfully the button got hit yeah Oof. yeah that's when you know where your where your friends are in the control room yeah right he yeah. could sit there eh, I don't know I Josh didn't, I didn't kind hear of a it. jerk yeah. I didn't hear it that Not guy bad. sorry that's sorry. it that's it and I so. called the boss and let him know right away sorry What remains really fun about this job? Of course, it has challenges, the, the, the pressure of delivering ratings, the, the pressure of being interesting four hours a day, uh, five days a week, the, those kinds of things are obvious. What are the things that make it still like, God, I cannot wait to get to work today? 
I mean, part of it is I just want to see if I can ever cover a good Nebraska football team. You know, I've been on the air for a decade. I've seen two winning seasons, which is wild. The last one was in 2016. Oh, no. uh, so part of it's that. Like, I, I'll, you know, it's funny. You mentioned ratings. I genuinely love just the – I have that competitive fire to always be number one, to, to be as good as possible. And that, uh, thankfully, you know, you always – I don't want to compare myself to the great athletes of our times, but you know, some of them are, are good with winning one and, and moving on. Others, Patrick Mahomes is the obviously the best example at this current juncture. It's like it wants to do it every single season. Um, I think about that a lot. That I want to I want to hop on the air and I want to put together a product that people enjoy. Um, but I've, I've certainly asked myself that question: like, what what is it that drives me in in 2024 versus what drove me in 2014 or 15? Like, the biggest change is that I feel like at least, you know, inside of my building now, I think I have respect, which I, I don't think I could always say that um, of my, I think I have respect of, of, I don't know, all of them, but some of my peers, I guess, I don't know. I just, I want, I want, I just want people to listen to our show and think like, wow, those guys are fun. They're just having a good time. Like that's, I think, I mean, it, it, it's so, it's so basic and, and, and uh, at floor level, but I really, I mean, that really is a part of my, my drive every day just to like, I want to do something goofy and fun. And, you know, if I have to, occasionally give a serious take or two i will and you're still running long distance and doing marathons and that kind of stuff if anything i'm running more now i uh i have up my training plan i'm tr currently training for the eugene marathon uh i ran 15 miles this morning uh so i uh yeah <laughs> yep i uh it that that has become you want to talk about something that i think has been uh reinvigorating for me in recent years is this it's running i i don't I can't say that I'd be like out of, out of this job or whatever, but it has really changed my relationship with, I would say everything in my life, my family, my wife, um, my friends, uh, the job in, in and of itself. Uh, it has become something super, super important to me to the point now where I write a weekly newsletter about running. I podcast about, I, I do long form interviews. And that was something that, you know, John going in, I had no idea. Like, am I going to be good at a long form interview? I've never done this before. And I have found myself really, really enjoying it. I started it last summer. I'm 40 episodes in now in terms of ones that I've recorded. Uh, so yeah, running, uh, running is a large, large part of, of kind of how I am on a day-to-day -day basis. What else do you do when you have to just get away and escape and not think about any of this stuff? Love reading. You know, I love reading. I, I football season is always so hard um, because I, it, I watch games every day that they're on essentially. And I'm also doing play-by-play -play of like soccer and then basketball when basketball returns. And so the, every year at the end of the year, it's just like, well, I'm not reading anymore. Well, now that we're kind of coming out of football season, I've gotten back into books. I've gotten into Jonathan Franzen of all novelists. Really? Over, yeah. Over the last year, I read the corrections last year and I just finished uh, freedom and I really, really adored both of those books. God, you got through corrections. Congratulations. Yeah, I loved it. Oh wow. my gosh. Couldn't, couldn't believe how good it was. So I love, I love reading. Um, uh, I certainly uh, love a good IPA from time to time as well. Um, and you know, spending time with my dog, spending time with my wife, uh, we have a, uh, seven-year-old, uh, black lab and I tried to take him on a walk every day. So the weather in January was tough for a couple of weeks. My mood actively got worse. I went to therapy, uh, at the end of the month and I was like, I can't figure out why I'm so depressed right now, why everything is horrible. And it's just like, oh, it's because it's sunny and it's not sunny and I can't walk my dog. And so uh -huh. February has been a much better month which is nice because uh, we've gotten out many, many times. So that, and then, you know, I still think about the show, even when I shouldn't be, I still think about the show. And nothing in your life. Well, in addition to these important things that you've just talked about, um, but, but one great remedy would be like nine or 10 Husker football wins next year. 
It would be really nice. That would be good in the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl. You want to you know, help my my mood. Those would be the things. Like covering a winning Husker team would be awesome. I just would love to see what the the mood of everything would be like. I miss I miss the big game Friday shows, which we really only got my first uh, two out of my first three years. I miss that feeling though of everyone's jacked, everyone's excited. You roll to work and the sun seems just a little brighter. You know the the cloud or the uh, sky seems just a little bluer. Everyone just seems ready to go. Um, I miss those. So I would love to have I would love to have a November that feels like there are stakes, whether it's going to a big bowl game or even just going to. I guess there were stakes this year. They just didn't match it. They could have gone to a bowl game, but they didn't. So yeah, yeah. that would uh, that would certainly be nice to uh, finish up twenty twenty four. Well, good for you. I hope it happens for you. <laughs> Thanks, Josh Peterson and John Bishop. Unsportsmanlike conduct, two to six p.m. Central Time at 1620 The Zone in Omaha. And uh, you can watch them, listen to them, replay. You, hey, you could even listen to it live on the radio, on AM or your phone or anywhere else. So, and congratulations on how well things are going. Thanks. Thank you very much, John. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Josh has been with us on Watch the Media. I'm John Schrader. <laughs>